Hey, everyone. Today's guest is the amazing Michelle Gomez, who would rather tell you that she works for an industrial buffing company than admit to being an actor. Michelle will readily admit that she doesn't mince words, which made her a perfect co-host for this episode. Our first conversation is with a young woman who questions her fiancé's reluctance to put her name on the title of their house. Next, we talk with a listener who recently met the love of his life, but his financial situation leaves him feeling insecure. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, please look for the link at unqualified.com. I would love to hear from you. And without further ado, here's Michelle. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Hi, Michelle. Well, hello there. Thank you so much for doing this. Please, I'm happy to be here and meet you. Me too. We're going to go on an intimate journey. Okay, that's good. I'm ready for intimacy with a complete stranger, always. Wonderful. (laughs) I had an experience yesterday Uh that most people who make faces and say words for a living Mm -hmm. have, Mm -hmm. which was my husband's wonderful parents, dear friend's daughter wants to start acting. Right, right. So I spoke with her a bit. What advice do you say? Oh, well, I'm very honest because there's no point in being anything other than rigorously honest. Well, uh, how old is the girl? 17. 17. Okay, so I just tell her, um, no, absolutely don't do it. I mean, you're a fucking idiot if you think that it's anything other than pure hell. Now, when I was growing up, I had no idea. I didn't have any real guidance telling me to not do it. I wanted to be Diana Ross when I was growing up in Glasgow, Scotland. And my mother pointed out, you know, your white girl can't sing. <laughs> so I was up against that. She was already a dream killer. Yes, yes. But no, listen, I have been asked recently by a similar age group, and I am honest, it is a fucking awful industry. I mean, it's brutal. And, you know, I don't mince my words because, you know, unless you, you know, really want it passionately and it's a vocation. And to be honest, if you have to ask, then don't bother. If you asked me when I was 17, I'd be like, no, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to be an actor and that's what's happening. Uh, I mean, it was completely ignorant and naive and I, I didn't know any better at the time. But I would say, no, don't do it. Don't go into this. I mean, it's too late for me now. You know, I'm constantly scrambling for something else that I could possibly do. But obviously there isn't now. But uh, as a younger woman, I would have been a taxi driver, perhaps. That would have been a good alternative. But no, I, I mean, as you know, it's a tough profession. Having said that, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Are you qualified to do anything else? No, no. I'm not anymore. Anymore? So you were qualified? No, probably not. No. What was it that you were maybe? I wanted to go into marketing while I attempted to develop my writing skills because I wanted to write. Right. But there's a qualification for that, though. Is there really a qualification for that as well? You know, that's another, right? like, don't do it type of a situation, you know? I just, yeah. Well, at least I knew that I wasn't going to be published, at least anytime in the near future. So I was practical about it. Well, that's not really for you to say, is it? I mean, how bad was the writing? I love you, Michelle, already. (laughs) (laughs) I love it that you wanted to be a cab driver. Mickey's cabs. I mean, I still have, if anybody asks me what I did, I'm always mortified and I will never, ever admit to being an actor. So I'll always say I own an industrial buffing manufacturing company. Nobody wants to take that conversation any further. That's good. <gasps> or Mickey's cabs. I'll take you anywhere you want to go for the right price. I love it. Unless somebody knows I'm an actor, I will never, ever say I'm an actor. I told this young woman, be prepared for a lot of rejection and learning how to deal with that. Do you have any advice on that front or how did you stomach rejection constantly? Um, Mm. Well, I sort of turned it into a virtue in the end. I was like, well, clearly I'm not going to get anywhere in this profession. It was all rejection, really, until I would say 10 minutes ago till we started this podcast. (laughs) I came late to the party and nobody was buying. Couldn't get arrested 
And it was just one humiliating rejection after another because God love me, you know, I did go for it when I went in there. But there was just so many awful auditions. And I did quite well. I got quite far in Britain when I was an actor. And it's a different culture. But then when I came here, I think I was like 42, 44 years old. Nobody wants an old lady in Hollywood. So I had to realize that nothing that I had done in Britain transferred to here. And I'd done a lot. So I had to start all over again in my 40s, pregnant. Oh, my God. So it was tough. And then I think a lot of casting directors, they didn't know what to do with it. So I'm a Scottish Mexican on file. And there's not a lot of parts out there for Scottish Mexicans. So it was a bit tough and nobody was buying it. So that took a minute. So it's just part of the job. You can't take it personally. And it's difficult not to take it personally because what all we're doing is saying, do you like me? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to somehow separate yourself, Michelle or Anna, who's a decent, good human being on the inside, but be rejected and know that it's not you, Michelle, that's being rejected. It's just, you know, you don't look right. You don't sound right. And it's hard to not have that affect you personally. Michelle, will you tell us about an act of rebellion or a stage of rebellion that you experienced? Well, I think that started as it does with most teens and then goes into your 20s. And by your 20s, you've grown out of it. But for me, it did seem to continue into my 30s and occasionally pops up now and again. Um, so it's actually an act of rebellion and rejection all in the one years ago. I was in London starting out as an actor and I was going up for commercials and I was going up for anything. I didn't care at that point. I'd do anything, right? And there was this really young director who seemed to me to be too young to even be holding a camera, but he was, and he was young and he was kind of cocky and he was all sort of like landed, right? He's all like, there you go, laugh. And um, I was like, instantly didn't like him. It was a mutual thing. But he asked me to walk across the room like a lumberjack. And I said, okay, but why? And that's the last time as an actor I ever asked that question. Because <laughs> really, who cares why? So I was like, all right. So I saw there was like a clothes stand, you know, hat stand. So I thought, well, I'll grab that. And I put it over my shoulder and I walked across the room with a big heavy tree, like lumbering across the room. And then I popped it on its feet and I just kicked it and it smashed over the casting table. And, and then I looked into camera and I just said, timber. Huh? And then left. And I did get a call from my agent the next day saying, I don't think we'll be sending you up for any more commercials. So that was the end of that commercial career because I just couldn't hack it. Oh, I love that, though. You know, where did that get me? You know, it was an act of rebellion. And, and, you know, more often than not, they don't really get you very far. That is true. But at least you held on to that kernel of pride in that moment. Yes, the kernel of integrity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get the job. But yes, I was just myself. Righteous indignation was... Michelle, how old were you when you first told yourself, oh, I'm in love? Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, I remember him. His name was Eric, Eric Bell, if you're out there, Eric. And um, I was like, I don't know, like 16 or something, you know. In Scotland? In Scotland, in Glasgow. And it was real. You know, it was so real. Uh-huh. That was probably my first, first of many. Were you in a relationship with Eric? Oh, yeah. He was my first boyfriend. Was the breakup difficult? Oh, it was very, very difficult. Uh -huh. It was shagging my best friend. That was awful. Oh. Her name was Heather. I know that story. Oh, she was gorgeous. Heather. I was like, fair enough. You know, fair enough. Away you go. So then it just ended up with somebody else who was actually better. But no, that was my first big heartbreak. And then like, look at that. Then you just kind of get over it. You think it's going to kill you and then you get over it. Yes, I do believe that I have to believe that a good heartbreak is an important component in being a complete human. Mm -hmm. I think you're right, you know, and knowing how strong you are. Yeah. Tell us about how you met your husband. Oh, well, Jack, dear Jack, darling Jack. I was going out with a friend of his at the time. We were just kind of hanging out, kind of buddies running about town. And he said, oh, my best friend fancies you. And I was like, oh, okay, which one is it? And he said, Jack. And I said, oh, it's not the one with funny hair. And he said, yeah. And I was like, I'm not interested. And then I was trying to get a boyfriend. And I, at that time, there was Lonely Hearts magazine, you know, and at the back, there's these little personals. And there was this advert that said, do you want to swim with dolphins? 
And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll swim with dolphins. So I arranged to meet this guy at the Piccadilly Circus, at the God of Eros, this beautiful statue. And I saw this guy and I was like, oh, no, I hope that's not Steve. And it was Steve from the tax office. And I was like, I'm not into him. And he comes running up to me. And I said, oh, we'll go to my friend's bar. So I went to my friend's bar. And Jack was there with his friends. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm into him at all. And then a month later, I was doing a show called Train Spotting for Irvin Welsh. It was a play. Well, it was a book. And then it was a play. And then it was a movie. And we did this play in the West End in London, right? We were meant to do four weeks, but it went on for months. And it was like, you were the toast of the town. It was a huge success and blah, blah, blah. And Jack turned up with my friend who I'd been running around town with. And he said to him, I'm going to marry that woman. Basically because I flashed my tits. Nice. Fantastic. I mean, what could he say, you know? And Andy said, oh, well, I'm kind of like seeing her right now. And he's like, what? And then Andy ended up being the best man at our wedding. Andy got us together and we met and fell in love. But yeah, so Jack saw me on stage first and said, I'm going to marry that woman. And then he did. What eventually won you over with Jack? His words, his letters, his writing, his intelligence, his mind, his kindness. He's kind of stopped me in my tracks because I was like a Tasmanian devil. You know, I was a nightmare. How do you mean? Like you had a hot temper? Yeah. You know, I was like drinking too much and drugging too much and just going. And so, you know, I was in my 20s. I really was like wild. Took me a minute just to, you know find, I don't know, like the design for living, whatever that is. It took me a minute. And then Jack came along. Okay, let me ask you this. What talent or ability would you most like to have? And if anything in the entertainment realm suddenly became illegal, how would you make money? I mean, the talent I would love to have to fly a plane, to be able to fly. You do like to drive. Is this a theme? Oh, I love driving. I wonder, is that an element of, like, the meditative control? Maybe. I mean, I feel very free. I feel very, very happy in a car. Maybe too happy. And especially in New York, I drive everywhere. And I am like a weave fiend. I feel like I'm in the Mario Brothers cars. You're strategic. So strategic. I respect this. I will reverse in the wrong direction if it helps me get where I need to go. I grew up with drivers. My brothers were drag racers and mechanics. And so, you know. Oh, interesting. Tell me about your sibling situation. Do you have older brothers, younger brothers? Two older brothers in Scotland. And I had a twin brother until um, we were 37 and then he passed. But I still have two older brothers left in Scotland. And not actors. I'm the first actor in the family. Everybody has a sort of, you know, normal kind of job in a way. How do you think your older brothers defined you? Oh, I mean, Derek, the middle brother, would always say, who are you today, Michelle? Who are you now? And then that's how they speak, because they're very Scottish, and they seem to speak like this. They'll kill me if they hear this. And then Kenny, my eldest brother, oh, my God, Kenny, he's just a sweetheart. He's just like, go, Michelle. You know, he's just like always very supportive and still, you know. I just actually went back to Scotland for the first time in five years this summer to see them. And uh, it was wonderful. Do you mind my asking why so long? It wasn't meant to be that long. It's just I've been on a couple of jobs that have been challenging and in terms of logistics and on the other side of the world. And so I had to pick my priorities. So home or travel would always be back to New York to see my son and be mum for a minute. So I didn't quite have the time. And then just when I was about to go back... COVID hit. So that took another two years. So that was it, really. When you think of the concept of home, what do you think of? I think of this strange dichotomy of shortbread and Harry Belafonte, because my dad was from Antigua, from the Caribbean. So we would always have like Calypso and Harry Belafonte was always playing. And, you know, my mom's side of the family, there'd always be shortbread and tins of shortbread and whiskey. And so it was kind of colorful and fun. There was lots of music. There was always lots of dancing and music. Oh, I love that. What a great environment. My dad (laughs) is the same way. There was always like Saturday morning blasting music. Yeah. It was a wonderful way to grow up. Although as a grumpy teenager, you're like, ah. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Where were you growing up? I grew up north of Seattle in Washington, and I think you were shooting in Vancouver a bit, right? Yeah, for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I never got to Seattle. I was meant to get there, and it was just too crazy a schedule. Um, yeah. All right. Are you ready to talk with our listeners? Hi, Marie. How are you? Hi. (laughs) I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. This is Michelle Gomez. Hi, Marie. Hello. And thank you so much for your email. Will you tell us what is going on? Sure. Yeah, I have it written down so that I don't (laughs) ramble on. But basically, the gist is that my fiance and I got engaged back in December of last year. And we've been looking for a place to move in together ever since then because we've been living separately. And I've been kind of like living out of suitcase going back and forth for a while now. Um, It's a little exhausting, um, but we're planning for a 2023 wedding right now with COVID and everything. But he's 13 years older than me and he's in a much better financial place than I am. And so he's always preferred to look for a home to buy rather than an apartment rental, which was my initial preference. So we agreed to give the house hunt a try and we finally found a house and got our offer accepted. And so we're in the process of moving in there now. But what's going on is he's the one that's taking out the loan and putting the down payment on the house because I'm not able to be on the mortgage myself since I have worse finances and would probably make the rates lower and everything. Um, And I don't have as much of a down payment, but I will be paying him like monthly towards the mortgage, kind of like a rent. So I started to wonder how I might still be legally acknowledged as an owner of the house as well. And uh, looked into it and found out that it was possible to add my name to the title of the home after we close without it affecting the mortgage. And I figured my fiance would be all for that because he had been referring to it as our home up until this point. And he always reiterated it to me that we are buying a house together. But now that I brought this up, he's made up his mind that he does not want to add me to the title until we're officially married. But he promises in his eyes, this will still be as much of my home as it is his But he says he's researched it and talked to his friends and family, and they all say to him that it's like a huge red flag that I would even ask this of him. And it seems like my intentions are being called into question by the people around him. And he's even mentioned that, like, it doesn't make me look good to people that he's mentioned it to. So basically, I just like I feel like I have no choice in this decision at all. And since he's the one with the money and the ultimate control, but my feelings are hurt by his not wanting to include my name on it. I'm not a gold digger and I don't have bad intentions at all. I just want like the security and the sense of equality between us in our home together. So I think if we have faith in our relationship, we shouldn't have to wait until marriage to be able to add me. And I'm just having a hard time at this point being as excited as I want to be because this is looming in the back of my mind. And I don't know how to find a way to feel like this is just as much of my home as it is his, knowing that technically and legally it's not considered to be mine. And I'm kind of like a tenant. How heated have the discussions been? Like, what is the tension level right now when this issue gets brought up? Right now, it it doesn't, we don't have a conversation without it being about a nine or a 10 Mm. as far as arguments go for us. Um, So basically, I'm just kind of at the point where I'm trying to move on from it and focus on the positive part of this and be happy so that it's not causing all this tension between us. Mm. I read your email and the first thing that sort of occurred to me is that it feels like working out a prenup a little bit, which is a terrible experience. (laughs) It's like, you know, your life insurance or whatever. It's you have to plan for the worst. So you're getting married in 2023? Yes. And how has the wedding planning, like those conversations, are they also loaded with tension? Not so much. We haven't really come up with any plans for it yet, except for the date in 2023. It's going to be in April of 2023, but we haven't come up with any specific plans yet. And I think we do have some differing opinions there, but it's not as bad as like, we're not able to find a compromise with that. Like we are in this situation. Michelle, do you have thoughts early on right now? I do. I actually have some questions. So can I ask, how long have you guys been together? We've been together a little bit over three years now. We got engaged at about the two-year mark. Uh Uh-huh. And do you have any children? Does he have any children? No children, no. Okay. Are you planning on having any? 
Yes, down the road, not anytime soon, but that's definitely in the future plan. Okay, okay, good. So you guys have talked about that. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Whether you decide to have them or not have them, but it's just, it's good to know going forward if you guys are on the same page. So the thing that, that struck me actually when I read it was that, I don't know how you feel about this, Anna, but you know I've been with my husband for 20 odd years now. And I know from my experience, and this is just my experience, that he would always want me to feel comfortable and happy with whatever the arrangement is between us. Because when it's you're talking about us, you're talking about we, you're talking about a union and a marriage and making decisions together. And so if there's any way that you guys can work out some sort of compromise where both of you feel like you're being taken into consideration, then I don't know what that would look like, but it seems like this is going to be a bit of a sticky wicket until you can find a way to settle it in order to move on. You know, your wedding isn't until 2023, so yeah, that's quite a ways away. I mean, relationships are all about compromise, trust me, especially when it's been going on for like, well, we are now almost 25 years together, you know, and there's been a lot of battling in there, you know. But the thing about marriage that's brilliant, and congratulations, by the way, is that you get to share your life with somebody, to share that journey, to share that path. And it's all about compromise. That's the buzzword. I agree. I think too, Marie, when you looked into putting your name on the house title independently, it feels to me that you both made independent decisions outside of the relationship. He's consulting his friends and family and you are like, hey, what's a way for me to feel protected with this house without maybe communicating together? So there are seeds where feelings have already been kind of hurt on both ends, you know. So it has to be a place of, I think what Michelle was also suggesting too, was at this point, it's a big gulf. It also maybe is representing something more. But, you know, just the stress of commitment that we all go through with weddings, usually like the minor arguments like start with making the guest list. And it's then, you know, becomes less fun and more loaded. Usually I feel like it's stemming from that fear. You're moving into your first home together. And his friends and family now feel like a little bit of a team against you, which is hard. I want this to be between you two exclusively. And I want you to be able to feel secure. And I want him to be able to feel secure, too. Like, I think that right now he has these seeds planted by people that he loves and trusts that your desire to have your name on the house is coming from, you know, you guys break up, then you get half the house or whatever, and they're planting those seeds, which is a tough thing to hear when you also are trying to plan your future together. Yeah. 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 You are in a difficult situation, for sure. Yeah. But I agree with Anna, you know, we're talking about your life together. So the communication needs to be precious, and it's between you two. Moving forward, you know, you need to try and foster that trust with one another, regardless of what the noise is that's inevitably always going to be coming. Yeah, I think the difficult thing is when we do talk about it, it is such a tense thing that it does get pretty heated. And I know that the irony of me being on a podcast talking about something that should be between the two of us. But like everything we've explored so far is what you guys have been saying about like finding a compromise and being able to keep that communication between us. I'm just not sure what the compromise is at this point that doesn't feel like I'm getting some kind of like consolation or just like something that's like not really legitimate for me. So that's just the tough part. When he says that once you guys are married, he's going to put you on the title. Do you trust that information? I do. I guess there's just a a sense of like, if the belief is that and the understanding is that we're going to get married and that's obvious thing instead of waiting because we're pushing it for a long time because of restrictions and other people replanning things. If the agreement and the understanding is that we're going to make it to that point, it's a little bit of an offense, I feel like, to feel like I have to wait until that point to be worthy of having this privilege, I guess. Yes, it is like a blow to your ego. I feel that. And it hurts your feelings. And I love it, Marie, that you like came right out and said, yeah, this hurts my feelings. 
Like my tentative advice, I think, would be it's all about timing when you bring this up with your fiancé. And I would say this issue makes me feel insecure. And, of course, it hurts my feelings that so-and-so-and-so-and-so thinks that I'm a gold digger or whatever. But make sure that you are at a place of, like, even emotion. This conversation can't be when you're feeling hot and if anyone else brings it up, then you'll know the timing is not right because you'll be like on the defensive. So why don't you take like a month without talking about it? Tell him that. Say, let's like not talk about this issue. Let's get moved in. Let's make our home together. Because I don't think, Marie, you'll get what you want right now. I really don't. I think that it's too loaded It feels like with the support of friends and family on his side that it could be some kind of deal breaker. Mm -hmm. So I think I would tell him, can we just continue to talk about this in like a month after we're moved in? Because it would make me feel really secure. Right now, I hear this as like, oh, we're not going to be together forever. That's what I feel like you're saying to me, and it's really hard. And I know that this is like the tangible idea to that sentiment. Mm -hmm. But do you think he could hear it? Is he the kind of person that could say like, okay, babe, I hear you on this. Is your communication good like that? I think when it's not in the middle of a heated discussion, it can be that and it is that, but it has to be, like you said, it's like the timing. It has to be when we're both calm and we're not like at the height of our emotions. Marie, can I ask, would you consider writing it out, being able to review it and being really clear and non-emotional on the page and being able to say something that, you know, doesn't get put through somebody else's perspective? I think that's the key, honestly. I, I brought this up with my therapist and he was telling me basically the same thing about having a conversation about this. And I asked if it would be possible or if it would be like a cop out to kind of write it down instead of saying it out loud. Because when I say it, you know, emotions get involved and then I get jumbled right. or I get off on tangents. Yeah. And so I think honestly, yeah. that's a more ideal way for me is to be able to write it out. And the writing out, you know, means that you get clarity as well and that you can distance yourself and separate yourself from it emotionally Mm -hmm. and really honor yourself as a modern young woman with a lot to give. So Mm -hmm. that can be addressed as well or acknowledged. When are you moving in? We're in the process of like actually moving right now. So, oh my God. Well, you know, this is perfect. Yeah, this is perfect timing. So, you know, over the next couple of days, you write that letter round it off with what Anna was suggesting. After you say what you need to say on the page, and then at the end you can say, now let's enjoy this, right? Let's take these keys and go into this house positively. Otherwise, you know, this is going to be a big elephant in the room that you've got to live with, you know? So if you can just kind of exercise it in that way, Mm. it might give you the room to enjoy each other again and enjoy this beautiful home that you're going to have. Yeah, I think that's spot on. That sounds like right up the alley. And also write one that's like where you want to say anything you want to say to that fucker. Just write (laughs) it and then you can burn that one, right? And that'll feel good. And then write the one that, you know, is a little more palatable. But, you know, Marie, just get this out for you first and foremost, Mm -hmm. right? And then you can present him with something that's a little less punchy, you know? Yeah. And it's an issue, though, that both sides could argue this makes me feel insecure because we're essentially deciding the fate of our relationship, which would be sort of a pessimistic take on things, I guess, because he has the same sort of counter argument as you do. So that is why this is really tricky. And I don't think it can be solved immediately. And I don't think it should be necessarily. Can we also cut the crap as well? Yeah. Cut it, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Marie, what I see is a fucking gorgeous young woman that can have anybody (laughs) she wants. And that man should be throwing houses at you. (laughs) Never mind you sort of begging to be on the fucking title. I mean, look at you. You know, it's like, if there's one thing my mum taught me, it was the man should always chase the woman. Sorry, but it's still true, right? And you're a cat. So he should be so fucking lucky, right? So why doesn't he just move into his fucking house on his own with his name (laughs) and the title and you go and get somebody that is going to buy you a house, more than one house, right? Houses, right? 
I mean, he needs to wake up. He's 13 years mm-hmm. older than you. He should be so fucking <laughs> lucky. Sorry. No, that's there everything I want to say. I love yeah. this. <laughs> so, yeah, do you point that out to him? You know, you're a young, vital, beautiful woman, you know, with your life ahead of you. And do you want to, like, pour all of that into his maybe, not sure, I'm controlling this. You know, he sounds like he's got all the power and it's all in his terms. Well, fuck that, right? A relationship is about two people in that relationship. And don't you worry about getting somebody else (laughs) if you think, you know, this is going to lose him. No, no way. If he moves into that house on his own and you're off doing your thing, he will come crawling. (laughs) You'll have your name blazoned on that title. But I'm sorry, I'm getting cross now. And we can do all the nice, gentle advice. But then this is unqualified, isn't it? Yeah, yep. Well, my unqualified <laughs> advice is look in the mirror, Marie. You're fucking gorgeous. You're a cat. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an undercurrent for me too. Just the like feeling of being powerless in a lot of ways as far as Ugh, the house yeah. goes. There's no way to start your life with somebody. You used to be equal footing. It's bullshit. Sorry, but it's not cool. <laughs> How are you with that imbalance of power? As far as anything that has to do with finances goes, I haven't felt it this strongly up until this point. I've known that there's been an imbalance and that he likes takes the reins a little bit faster than I do. And he's just like a little bit more aggressive as far as taking control of situations than I am. But it hasn't felt like this much of a problem until something like this has come up. But it's definitely it's an imbalance that I feel all the time. And I feel like I have less, I guess, power in the relationship overall. Have you expressed this to him? Marie, this part is really interesting to me. And Michelle, I'm so glad you brought it up because when I was in my 20s and 30s, I just didn't think I could ever date somebody who was much older than myself. I am proud and stubborn. I think that it just wouldn't have been a great fit for me. I don't want you to make any quick decisions here, but maybe this imbalance is the underlying issue and you need to look at it more carefully. But I don't want you to break up after talking with us. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I think we're getting somewhere. I don't think we're breaking anything up. I think we're moving towards some clarity. Yeah, and I feel like I think a big part of it is finding my footing as far as knowing what to fight for and then just being able to fight for when I do feel this strongly about something. And that's what's been really hard for me in this process. So I do think that that's even somewhere that I've already grown and somewhere that with, I think your advice would be kind of like more steps in that direction. But I think that that's just something that I need to find the balance between as well. It's like being able to stand up for things that I feel really strongly about when I do feel like there's this type of imbalance. So yeah, that's just something that I feel like I'm kind of figuring out along the way. The thing I think that's kind of odd is like, I can understand why, you know, he did it in the first place, right? I can, I can understand it, especially in this country, you know, the credit scores and the all of that. You know, I was there when I was first together with Jack. I wasn't really making much money. He was making the money and, you know, we did what we had to do, right? And I didn't even know when this happened because when I read your email last night, I was talking to Jack and when did my name go on the title? And he said, as soon as it could, as soon as it could. That's really romantic. Yeah, the waiting until you're married detail, it's got to sting a bit, you know? So I don't know. From my point of view, it just feels like you're a queen and you should be celebrated. I think that about mm-hmm. all women, you know? It's like, but I'm like some old-fashioned feminist. And I just, it just makes me cross. 
I'm being cross for a reason because it's clearly triggered something. I don't want you to feel the way you're feeling moving into this relationship, moving into this home. The feeling you should be having is not talking to these two women in the void, but celebrating and having a wonderful time and it just not even being an issue. But it is an issue for a reason. And that needs to be cleared up. Do you think you could do as Michelle suggested and write out how you're feeling and, you know, maybe let him know that you won't bring it up again for a while at least and then maybe see what he does with that information? Yeah, I feel like that's probably the best approach to take at this point. And I mean, I haven't thought about tabling it. I've kind of just thought of like, this is where we are right now. So we should keep talking about it. (laughs) Right, right, right. But I think it's really smart. It's going to feel uneasy. It'll still be like a Mm -hmm. thing. But I just don't think there is a strong resolution right now during this time of change. In that way, too, you can get a sense of the house. You can get a sense of your life together in that house. You're just not putting the weight on this decision. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. That saved my ass so many times. Yeah. That's really good advice. I mean, it's like, don't pull any big levers. Don't make any grand gestures. Don't do something that you're going to regret. You know, you can only do today what's in today. I can see like you're overwhelmed with it at the moment and you feel like you need to have an answer right now. There isn't one. Mm-hmm. You guys are in a sort of stalemate right now. Somebody's got to give. That is a question that you want to ask yourself in a quiet moment of reflection. If he's not prepared to move on this, does this set the precedence for the rest of our marriage? Is it that the buck will always end with him? Do you get to have a say? Will it always be on his terms? Can he ever meet me in the middle? Are we going to be equal? Those are the questions. And you have the answer Mm -hmm. already. You just don't know it. Because the thing is, it's always about asking the right question. It's the question that's more important than the answer, always. Sometimes we're not asking the right questions. That's really profound, Michelle. Yeah. Okay, well, (laughs) I think you know the answer. I do. Yeah, I've asked myself that because I am afraid of this setting the precedent for the future. And I haven't really been able to come up with a solid answer to that other than if I don't push now, then it will be what happens in the future. Yeah, that's where I would be wary, you know, to move in feeling that you were somehow repressed or you feel like you haven't acknowledged your entire self, that part of you has kind of been put to one side. And Marie, I think that you should spell it out for him. Serious. Yeah, I think that's like very insightful. And yeah, I feel like that advice is the best thing that I can do. (laughs) Marie, though, God, I'm telling you, if it's not like the title of a house, it's something else. You know, engagements are stressful. Weddings are stressful. My husband and I just went away for the weekend and came back married. We've talked about the possibility of like just getting married kind of like at the courthouse or whatever, or like speeding it along instead of doing waiting for the production. I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2023. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like, what are you waiting for? He honestly, <laughs> you if he doesn't snap you up, girl, like that's another what, two years away? That's a long time. That is a long time. And you've already been together for three years. Like, what's the wait? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it should feel so right, you know? I feel like bringing up elopement right now might sound like I'm like, well, let's just hurry it along so I can, you know, get that title. So I don't want to, like, bring it up because Oh, of man. You know, there's another saying I need to, I'm going to give you, right? Whatever you think of me is none of my business. Mm-hmm. It's so freeing because, you know, I hear you, like, thinking, well, he's going to think this or he's going to think that. It's like, no, fuck him. (laughs) Well, love him, whatever. But, you know, whatever he thinks, he's Mm going to think regardless. You stay solid. You stay true to who you are, a good woman. So Mm -hmm. that should be acknowledged. His community is the problem. The friends and family. That's not good. Why are they not celebrating you? Why have they not scooped you up and, you know, welcomed you into the family? I don't like that. I don't like that. 
that's what's been kind of like the shocker to me, or that's what's kind of been blindsiding to me is that he's been getting advice that's been negative, I guess, towards my character and not just towards the situation. But how do you know that? Is he telling you that? Yeah, because I asked him to just like look into it and talk to a professional or something about the actual risks and everything of it. And he just mentioned that he talked to, he's only really mentioned specifically he's talked to his sister and she told him it was a bad idea. Oh. But she, but then he mentions like everyone he's talked to has has advised him no. I need to talk to him. Yeah, I'll give him your number. Yeah. I need, I need help. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> mm. I do think it's just really important to only go outside of the marriage occasionally for advice. And I wonder if you can say something like, baby, it would just kill me if your sister thought that I was a gold digger and I want your family's support with our marriage. I would tell him some things like that, too. It is very true that those people just get those little glimpses, those little seeds of negative information and can't forget it. And they'll bring it up and it just germinates. And it's important to protect the relationship just in general in that way. I just say this is a problem. We have a problem Mm -hmm. and we have to find a way to get past it. Are you going to help me do that? If you don't, and if we can't find a way to get past it, I don't know where we go. I don't know. like, And you sort of put it into his. You're just like, I don't, you tell me. Something does not feel right, you know? Let him tell you. Let him be clear. Let him reassure mm-hmm. you. And be direct. Yes, I need reassurance. Doesn't feel right. How does it make you feel, Marie? I feel like I was more along the lines of going to do what you said to do, Anna, which was basically just kind of like enjoy this time as much as I can and kind of table the explosive argument part of it. But I do think I should take what Michelle has to say. And I want to like remember those words that like I'm a queen and like I should, you know, he should want to make me feel comfortable. And I think that's also important to me, too. So, yeah, just to be clear, you know, I'm not suggesting that you go and blow it all up. I'm suggesting that for today, to give yourself some relief, I would get it out of my head and onto the page, sleep on it, and then, you know, go into tomorrow with whatever tomorrow will reveal. Because today is just about finding more information. Yeah. Honestly, I think you can work it out. I think you just need to Mm -hmm. find your voice in this union and work it out. That's what I want to do. So I'm hoping, you know, I can. Good. Yeah. And I think you can. I think it will require patience, though. Mm -hmm. Well, good luck with that then. Good yeah. luck, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I honestly I think between Anna and myself, I don't know whether we've completely confused you or helped you in any way, but you know, there's two ladies here that think you're amazing and you should just, yeah. you know, honor that. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it has been helpful. And I just, I think I have a lot to think about. And I do think that writing it down and getting my feelings out there, um, I think that's like a great next step for me now. Yeah, it's an opportunity for you to find your voice in this marriage moving forward. That's basically what this is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really hope you guys can find happiness. I do think that it's in the cards here. Yeah. Oh, Marie, thank thank you you so much for talking with us. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. I've been listening to the show for years and I never thought I'd have a problem big enough to be on it. So it's all kind of like coming full circle, I guess. Well, I really appreciate you. The good news is every problem has a solution. You're going to find it together. Thank you. I'll try to remember all of your wise words. Thank you so much, Marie. Thanks. It's so nice to meet both of you guys. And I appreciate all of your advice. You as well. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Take care. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Michelle, I loved your advice. Oh, I just got so cross with the situation there for a minute. It's so good. I get really nurturing and protective. Yeah. And I think you gave wonderful advice. I think power imbalance in a relationship. Yeah, it's very tricky indeed. And especially needs to get sorted out from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay, are we ready to talk with Chris? Mm -hmm. Chris, hi. Hi, it's so great to talk with you. It's awesome to talk with you. You're here with Michelle, who is just incredible. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Chris. Nice to see you. Thank you. You too. Chris, I loved your letter. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. So I'm in my mid-40s. Only recently, I met my girlfriend, and we've been through a lot together through the pandemic. And we've kind of talked about the future here and there. And um, I know that we're both headed in the same direction as far as our relationship. And I want to propose to her so badly. She's actually just a couple of years older than me. We have such a great relationship. The communication between us is phenomenal. We talk about everything about our past and, and our current, what we're going through and things like that. We have so much in common, but there's so many differences. It's, it's just such a great relationship. The problem is my entire life, I have had just a lot of struggles put off on me you know, from birth. And as a residual effect of that, I basically just survived my entire life, paycheck to paycheck. I've gone into this pursuit of my career kind of with that idea that I was probably going to be on that journey alone for the most part. And then I met her. How did you meet? So we met early on in the pandemic online. We tried the Zoom date thing and we ended up talking for several hours. And then we decided to get tested and do all this stuff and meet. And ever since then, it has just been amazing. So one of the things this pandemic has really reminded us is that we're not promised tomorrow. She knows that I'm committed, but the idea of proposing to her and isolating that commitment, I know we both really want that. Problem is, financially, especially with what everybody is going through now in this pandemic, my question is, how do you propose in this day and age? when you have no money to even buy like an engagement ring. She is okay financially. She's a lot more secure than I am. And she knows all about my financial situation. So that's not a problem. That's something that we can work on together. But how do you propose? Because not only is it a, like the finances hold you back, but there's also that like internal struggle of self-doubt. I'm a little old fashioned when it comes to that. Like, I believe that the ring is such a symbolic gesture when it comes to a marriage. And I, I have a hard time getting my head out of that. And I've had friends say, you don't need to do a ring, you know, do something else, you know, just go on a trip together or just do something. And to me, I'm having a hard time like getting past that notion. And then I thought, well, if not a ring, like what would a good alternative be to show that commitment? Oh, I mean, here we go. Let me ask you some questions, Chris. What is she into? Like, what's her thing? What does she love? She loves books. She loves art. She loves music, travel. Is there something that you share together in terms of your love of one thing? I would say the one thing that we absolutely laugh over all the time and, and she gets extremely giddy over is cats. Cats. Huh? She is obsessed okay. with cats. We've even talked about possibly getting a cat together, but we don't live together. So, okay. So, you've heard of Etsy, yeah? Yeah. All right. Super. Okay. So, you go on Etsy and you put in cat rings. And a ring doesn't have to be thousands of dollars. You know, the symbol is what's behind the ring when you give it. It's not about the big fancy diamond. Trust me, it's really not. Yeah. My engagement ring, I needed a, a magnifying glass to see the diamond that was in it. 20 odd years ago. I loved it. Nobody could see the diamond, but I thought it was huge. That's not a problem. Get past that. I mean, she's obviously into you and you're, yeah. you know, I can see that you're into her because you've got yeah. that whole love glow thing going on, which makes your skin look lovely. <laughs> so you can just go and find some cat orientated something. I mean, I have this beautiful black ring that cost me, honestly, it was at a convention. I think it was like $10 and I oh, loved yeah. it, loved it. Didn't take it off. 
And so the ring is like, that's not a problem. Chris, may I ask about your living situation? So you don't live together. Are there plans to move in? We've talked about that too. It's not an immediate thing, I think, unless that circumstance changed. I think if we were engaged, we would probably pursue moving it together a lot faster. Right now, we we are both so independent and we both like our space. And she's really trying to balance a lot of things right now. And so having her space right now is really very helpful for her. So, I mean, eventually, I think that situation is going to change. But we haven't set like a deadline for it. Are you, not to plant any seeds, but I guess I'm going to, are you at all anxious that she would say no? No. Not really. Good. No. Okay. I mean, I I think there's always that slight, oh God, what if? But no, I don't think that that's an issue. Okay. So run past me then. What is the problem? I guess it's really just trying to get past my own insecurity about the financial aspect of it. Right. And find a way to propose to her without a ring maybe that's special. Well, here's the good news is that nothing stays the same. Yeah. Nothing. Circumstances always change. And we as humans always think that everything's forever. You know, that's why when we get cross, it feels like we're never going to, it's always going to be cross or we're always going to be sad. We're always going to be upset, but you know, we're not, we don't stay in those places. We are always moving on. So the good news is, is that you have no idea what's in store for you in terms of your being able to bring finances to the table that you see fit. I don't think she probably gives a damn, but no. but you do because you have this sort of old-fashioned mentality, which is very charming. But it's it's no reason to stop your self-worth. Yeah. Your self-worth isn't about how much money you have in the bank. It's about who you are as a person and how much you have to give in terms of love and companionship and being a partner in life. You can't monetize that. Yeah. You know, your proclamation of love and what you have to offer in terms of your availability and your depth of love and your being engaged and being there for her is not about a ring. That's like a Western idea of what it is we have to do. It's like Mother's Day's cars or it's like, you know, Valentine's cars. It's all bullshit, you know, but at the end of the day, it's about, you know, what we have to give and what we can receive. That's what love is. I love that sentiment. And you're absolutely right, Michelle. And it sounds like, Chris, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I'm so happy that you had love when so many people have been so lonely. Yeah. Yeah, I was really lucky. (laughs) We feel it. That is just amazing. And she's really lucky, too, to have someone who is, like, enthusiastic about giving love. And she, it sounds like, is enthusiastic about receiving it. I do think that, you know, if you go to a pawn shop, Mm -hmm. you know, and say like, hey, I've got 50 bucks. What can I buy here? Right. I totally believe that your girlfriend will not care at all. She's not going to ever expect a big diamond you know, from you, at least at this point. Like, she already knows that you have different financial stresses. So I do think, like, a funny old antique ring is Mm. a really charming idea. Okay. There's also, you know, like, estate sales. Definitely. Right. You said, I am in love. I'm so broke. Is there anything that I could buy with 40 bucks? Yeah. People love that. You know, people love to help. Yeah. People love those stories, you know. So just go and find somebody with a heart. You know, you'd be surprised. You know, if you're honest and it's about love, people will find their generosity. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right, Anna. I think that's a good idea. I think, you know, go and do some creative shopping. Okay. That doesn't need to cost much, honestly. Yeah. It really doesn't. And it sounds like you have the maturity and just a different perspective. So it sounds like the financial issues aren't too bad or... Does it creep into your relationship in a way that is hard sometimes? No, no, it actually doesn't. I think it comes more from me wanting to do so much more for her than what I actually can. And then when I do things for, you know, of course, then she's just like, you have to stop doing that, you know? 
So how do you put out like a wanted engagement ring ad nowadays? Like, <laughs> like I love the idea of saying, like, does anyone have a ring that they'd be willing to sell me for forty dollars? I'm totally in love with my girlfriend. I want to start thinking about our future. You know, even just this podcast, if this is out in time, you know, there's going to be. I'm sure Anna's going to be inundated with totally all sorts of trinkets. So, Chris, I think the ring is just going to be fine. Yeah. I really do. But have you thought about how you want to do this? I have. And then uh, there's so many like holidays coming up. Our anniversary is actually coming up. Of course, Christmas and everything else. So I I actually kind of want to wait a little bit longer to just try and get away from those holidays. So we actually have like a very specific time that is just ours and not about the stresses of all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I have some ideas like how I want to do it. Anything you can share? No. No. Okay. All just, righty. Just, just in case she stumbles on. Uh-huh. All right. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for you. I really am. Me too. Thank you. Sounds like you've found somebody really special in each other. And uh, I would just put all of your, you know, preconceived notions of how it should be to one side and just really bask in the glow of the fact that you guys found yeah. each other during a pandemic. Was that that book, Love in the Time of Cholera? This is like love in the time of COVID. You know, right, beautiful, yeah. Chris. It's beautiful. Enjoy. Yeah. And in the meantime, since you have a minute, I would go to pawn shops in the area. Okay. I wouldn't call. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I think this is just wonderful. And I do think that the gesture and the symbol is what it is. Yeah. Don't you think, Michelle? I do. I really do. It could be a ribbon. It could be anything. I mean, it's mm. just like what you're talking about here is easily surmountable. Yeah. And if you put thought and meaning into the proposal, and maybe there's some story behind whatever ring you decide to give her, she's going to love it. Yeah. She's big into ceremony. And I'm a horrible romantic at heart. So it goes together well. Yeah, it's match yeah. made in heaven. But we're both planners. And so <laughs> I like to improvise a lot, but I always have that plan. There's always some kind of blueprint. So, you know, a lot of the times when you have to think about things creatively, you actually end up with something much more special than if, you know, you're Daddy Warbucks and you can go in and just buy any old thing. It just means more. Yeah. So I'm, I agree. There's some special little nugget out there for you. And you just got to go and ask. And you could make up a great history for it. Yeah. Yeah. You two could have like an inside joke about the love between Victoria Johnson and <laughs> Igor Heimlich. You know, engraving's not that expensive either. So, you know, even if you got something to engrave on the inside might make it a little bit more special as well. Yeah. If you have like a poem or something that you share, my wedding ring says, we two being one are it. Oh, that's beautiful. You can't have that, by the way. Or have it. Yeah. But it is very lovely. It's John Donne. Yeah, so, yeah, beautiful. take it, take it. We two being one are it. You know, and then it's just, you know, goes on forever and ever and ever yeah. and ever. Something very romantic about that. It's taken me my whole life to find what she and I have. And it's just, you know, I just want it to be as special as she is. I'm just so happy for you. Thank you. So I really think that you'll have fun exploring some ring ideas. And, oh, my one final thought. I kind of think you guys should get a kitten. Oh, I, I definitely, that might be a Christmas gift. I'm not sure. It might also be the way to present the ring. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my a, God. A little bow. A little kitten. A little bow yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Oh. oh, I can see that. I can see that now. That's gorgeous. Love it. My Jesus Christ, if you presented me with a ring on a kitten, I'm, I'd love you forever. Totally. I just think, I so want to rush this along for you, Chris. <laughs> I know there's that thing in me. I'm just like, is it now? Now? Should I do it now? Now? But um, yeah, I, I don't. Wait till you know. And you will know when the time is right. Yeah. Feels like it's close. Do a little uh, ring research there and get your ducks in line and then have a beautiful life together. Yeah. It's wonderful. I hope that we help kind of. You did. You did. It was great to like talk it out with you because I... 
I haven't really been able to talk it out with many of my friends. I have it only a couple of them I've mentioned it to, and they're just so supportive, you know, but I need an outsider's opinion. She will not care at all what it is, you know? Yeah. Just stick a ring on it. (laughs) (laughs) So go find a ring, a kitten, and get married. Oh, you guys are great. I really appreciate this. And Michelle, I just recently watched Doctor Who. And you were so good on that show. (laughs) Um, And it was, I was like, oh my God, she's (laughs) she's great. Thank you. So it was great to see that you were going to be the one here today. So (laughs) I was describing her as like electric. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm really happy for you. It's so nice to speak with a rare person who has had something really transformative for the positive happen to them over this insane time. It was literally like a life shift. Yeah. Thanks again, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Michelle. Bye. Bye, Chris. Bye. Oh, Michelle, wasn't that awesome? You're wonderful. Oh, my God. (laughs) You do a lot, Anna. That's a lot of energy. I know you have to go. Okay, (laughs) bye-bye. Thank you, Michelle. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Michelle. You're the best. (laughs) 